0: This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. And today I'm talking to my daughter Emily Pepito and we're talking again about the rule of simplicity and I've just been loving I'm writing a book about the Benedictine rule and I'm loving the really hopeful and encouraging way that he laid out these principles for the people who are going to be living together. And one of them was simplicity. I mean, they didn't have a lot of possessions, they had very set times for meals, but there was also grace where if people were working in the fields that day, they could eat a little bit earlier, things like that. So today we're going to talk a little bit about simplifying our minds and maybe even some of our tasks that we can have more connection in our homes. Thanks for joining today, Emily.
1: Thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure to be here.
0: Uh, It's always a pleasure to talk to you and it's nice I get to see your face right now. One of my favorite books is Essentialism by Greg McKeown and he says, you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. and. You know, this really (laughs) speaks to me right now because when you were younger, when you guys were younger, sometimes I would come home from an outing and be a jerk. And, you know, I, there was different scenarios, like maybe I left for a mom's day out with friends and I left my husband home in charge of the kids and I'd come home and I wouldn't be impressed with how he managed things or I'd be kind of like oh the dishes aren't done yet or something smug like that and I did that to you a couple times you were the oldest of seven children I remember one particular like I wish so bad that I could go back and redo this but basically I had a baby I was at the hospital having a baby and you had been with me in labor you'd been up all night with me you were my labor coach you did the back pressure you were so amazing And so then when maybe 24 hours later or so I came home, there'd been all these little catastrophes. One of the kids had flushed a fork down the toilet or a bar of soap or a toothbrush. I can't remember what it was exactly, but something had gotten flushed down the toilet. And so when I got home with the new baby, the toilet was on the back porch and things were a little bit chaotic. And I should have, oh my gosh, like I should have gone in the house and been... So overjoyed to finally be with my whole family again and so excited. But there were other things going on. My husband had to work. He didn't get leave. And so he wasn't the one who brought me home. I think a sister or something brought me home. And so there were some other areas where I wasn't necessarily feeling loved. And then I went home and instead of doing what I should have done as a good mom and just being like, oh, my babies, I'm home with my babies. I love you. I'm so excited to see you. And just ignored the house. I saw that toilet and I might have started to cry. I don't know. I mean, I definitely went straight to my room and I would gladly apologize a thousand times for that because to have your mom come home from anything and not be excited to see you is just stupid and terrible. And you know that Greg McKeown quote really brings that up because it's like you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. The things that we and moms get irritated about and are rude to our children about or scream at our children about or even go slam our bedroom door and cry about are in the grand scheme of things, so minor and so unimportant. And what is much more important is connecting with our families. What are some of the ways that you have prioritized connection in your own life, Emily, as you've grown up and tried to navigate this balance of like, keeping your life simple, but still staying connected with people? Well,
1: first off, I just want it on record that as I've gotten older and even then, the compassion that I feel towards both you as my mom and you as a person with your own story has made it both easy and delightful for my sake and for the sake of our connection to forgive you and not only forgive you, but continually work towards greater restoration with you. And I really love you. And I think like, there are so many ways to keep my life simple. And like right now, a lot of my friends are taking up skiing. And I also read Greg McEwan's Essentialism and my younger brother, my younger brother, who's just below me. Um, he was a real hardcore essentialist. And I remember having this big conversation with him and being like, really committing to this idea of, like, I'm not going to do everything because I can only do so many things well. And so, like, in this season of my life, I'm like, I actually would like to take up skiing, but I I cannot do it without stretching myself thinner than I want to be. And I want to be able to show up well for the people in my life, for myself, um, because I, I do believe that even um, as Greg McEwen said, there are so many unimportant things we over-exaggerate, and at the same time, I also believe that our heart attitude and our ability to show up with gentleness and joy, we can never overestimate the benefit of that. And um, and so like for me, I am actually pretty rigorous about what is or isn't um, a benefit to my life or what is or isn't actually detracting from it and I really early on loved the idea of every no is a yes to something better and so it's like there is no FOMO because every time I say no I'm like I am saying no because I have a vision and an excitement for something that is beyond that and and there are times for doing other things or, or just like hanging out with friends or you know and, and I enjoy those times but definitely I am fairly rigorous about examining what I'm saying yes to. um, Not perfectly, but it's a goal. And I think the other thing that is coming up more and more lately too is that the um, simplicity that comes when our hearts are so confident that we are loved by a good, good father. And even today, I was kind of running around and getting kind of frantic and Um, I had like back to back to back to back jobs and tasks and kind of time sensitive things to do. And I could just feel that stress. And like, if I was mom with kids around, um, my kids would for sure be bearing the brunt of that. And my siblings have in the past. Um, and I was like, man, like God, like I just stopped and I was like, I am loved by God and he is a good father. And so these things, it is going to be okay. And I think, especially in the West, with this idea of like, maybe it's manifest destiny, maybe it's just, you know, make your own way, be your own person, stand on your own two feet, we we tend to not have this concept of God as being somebody um, who also will pick up where we fall apart and who is so ready to be, this is a mount up on wings like eagles and you will walk and not grow weary and you will run and not faint. And so just really having a simple one-mind laser attention focus on the promise of God uh, to be a good, good father, to love me, and to pick up where I am falling apart.
0: That is so beautiful, Emily. And also for the record, I'm so thankful for your grace with me. When so many daughters judge their moms hard, and, and I've been guilty too, and aren't willing to move towards relationship. I'm just so honored and delighted that we get to keep connecting and that you are so loving and gracious and and merciful towards me and my mistakes. And what a joy that we get to um, talk about it and that I can express remorse and that you're so gracious. I'm grateful.
1: It's one thing I love about our family is we we don't give up on each other. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate how you've modeled that.
0: Oh, That's beautiful. Thank you. So one thing I was thinking about too is you were talking about the love of God. And one of the things that really drove me, like, I don't know what all was going on in my head besides feeling sad that my husband had to work um, when I brought the baby home. But one of the things that did cause pressure was performance. Like I wanted to be a perfect mom because I didn't have a lot of identity as a person. I didn't know that I was loved by God. I hadn't taken time to process my own story. And so then a lot of the things I did as an early mom, like I was desperate to be a good mom. I was desperate to show you guys how much I loved you, but I did a lot of things just for like mom points. You know what I mean? Like I put you guys in activities for mom points. I wanted to be a good mom, whatever that was, or, or, you know, followed bad parenting philosophy for mom points. And, you know, this is where as parents, if we can get settled with the truth that God loves us and that we can't do anything to make him love us more and that we certainly can't make our kids fit into a mold so that God will love us more then we can start to have more peace and be able to make better choices about how we spend our time you know so much of our parenting struggles come from imposing external standards on our children like you know children should be reading in kindergarten or children should be in sports year round or whatever it is. And some of those things, maybe they're good. Maybe they're going to work for your family, but some of them might not. And it's okay if your family is going to be a missionary family or a music family or a travel family or a homestead family. Like There's lots of different kinds of people and we don't all have to be the same kind of people. And when we get into performance thinking that, oh, if I'm not doing this certain thing, I'm not a good mom for one thing, we're not recognizing that we're loved by God. We're not trusting him. And for two, we're going to make our kids miserable because that is when most of the conflicts in our family happened was trying to get you know five young kids in the car for music lessons or trying to get out the door to speech therapy or whatever the activity was. It was almost always a meltdown related to some kind of performance situation.
1: Yeah. And I I 100% agree with that. And I think the thing that i would add and that i don't think can be emphasized enough is that the when you look at people who didn't receive the com- the appropriate levels of comfort in response to their childhood um ch- to incidences in their childhood where it, whether it was like getting lost from your parents and then your parents find you but they're really freaked out so they're really angry with you um or whether it's minor or large, if you didn't get a level of sort of satiating comfort, then things that are pretty minor, like being five minutes late or having your kid throw a fit in the playground, so minor, what makes it rough is that we, in that moment, are internally freaking out like a small child. And we are internally feeling, oh my gosh, I'm going to be Rejected by all of my peers, or I'm going to be judged because I'm late, or I'm going to be um, thought I was a bad mom because I show up, you know, ten minutes late, and one of my kids is has this naughty nose and their shoes are tied together, or like whatever it is, and and it is a disproportionate response, um, and it is almost always based on the fact that there's probably incidences in your past at key moments in your brain's development where you did not get the comfort from a parent figure that you needed, that your body needed on a hormonal level to calm down. And so if you find yourself, like some people come from fairly secure homes, and so they're going to be like, huh, 10 minutes late, blah, 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 whatever. And it's, it's actually not going to phase them because their response to the reality of the situation is in tune with it because they grew up receiving secure attachment at the right points. Whereas if you didn't receive that, you are going to be freaking out over these things. And so I just think like good community and, and saturating yourself in the word of God and in the presence of God that says you are loved and that he has your back is going to be so crucial for maintaining that level of peace in those moments
0: that's so good it's yeah I've been listening I think both of us have been listening to some of the same stuff but there's a podcast called the place we find ourselves with Adam young and he's talking a lot about how attachment affects our ability to settle ourselves or be calm and he's also talking about how important it is to and the the counselor I'm working with is saying the same thing that we have to have these, mismatching this way. She says it. mismatching experiences that offer comfort when these emotions come up. So, you know, when we're in a situation where we're late somewhere and all of a sudden we're freaking out, like get down underneath that. Like, why, why am I acting like this? What is going on inside? Why am I feeling this way? Why does this seem so big? Why does this unimportant thing seem so important? And, you know, I actually last week I was at I'm doing 10 weeks of counseling with this lady. And so we were talking about a situation where I acted immature. You know, it's like we do these things and we're, we're kind of embarrassed of ourselves later. Like, we're like, why was Why did I act like a child? And as we were talking about, and she's like, well, where in your body do you feel it? And what, what emotions is this bringing up for you as she was talking to me and asking me these questions, I just saw a picture of myself as a little girl. There's an incident that really happened, where I was we were at a family camp and I was walking back from the lake and I had to pee and I could not find anyone to take me to the bathroom. So I don't know, you know, my parents had five kids, they might have been with another one of the kids. So I'm walking back, I'm walking from the lake to the bathroom by myself and I pee myself as I'm walking, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm wet from being in the lake. Maybe nobody'll notice, but it was just a very alone moment for me as a child. And so as I'm sitting there in the counselor's office and I'm just like remembering and kind of reliving this memory of feeling so alone and maybe even feeling a little rejected because there was no one there to watch over me, I saw a picture like of, you know, I just said, Jesus, can you comfort me? And I just saw a picture of him swoop me up and wrap me up in a towel and care about me. And instantly the tears came. And I think that there are so many moments in our lives where we felt alone and rejected and abandoned. And that's part of what is contributing to our anxiety as adults. Like we're, we're trying to take care of these kids and keep them safe. And yet half the time we don't feel safe ourselves. And we're so afraid ourselves. And I talked a lot about some of the tips for overcoming these fears and mothering by the book. But really, nothing has been as satisfying as just whether I'm picturing Jesus or whether he's showing up for me. I don't know. But having the comfort of the Lord, you know, and the Bible says that, yeah, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll, I will put the verse in the show notes, but it's like Jesus is with us. He is with us and he has always been with us. But there are times in our lives where we've felt so alone and so afraid and so um, full of anxiety and that those feelings are still connecting with us as adults as we're trying to be calm and stay in the present with our children and they're not serving us.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I love, I mean, I just, I love what happens when we are able to bring things um, into the presence of Jesus and grieve them. And I think in the same way, That you would go through your home, or you'd go like you'd inventory your home, or you'd inventory your closet, and you'd be like, "Wow, some of these clothes they just they don't fit me anymore. They're ugly," Um, and you'd get rid of them. And same for your house, for your activities. For sometimes we do that for relationships if we're in that season of life. And so doing that, like when you are going back to childhood memories, like the one my mom had, or you know, if you I have, you're not going back to drudge it up and carry it like a snail with its shell on its back. When we invite Jesus to be in these memories, we are actually inviting him to release us from carrying it around with us. And we're inviting him to to, to simplify. We're simplifying and, and like narrowing down into, into the integrated simplicity of being a childlike lover of God by being able to go through past stuff and shed what is no longer assisting us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that, and it still takes stewardship, which we're going to talk more about in in the coming month. But you know, for me, if I have a moment with Jesus and I just leave that feeling so calm and so sweet and so um, so relaxed, really, and then I go home and I drink a bunch of coffee and eat a bunch of dark chocolate and binge on Twitter and all the bad news of the world. I'm gonna get right back I'm gonna snap right back to that anxious state unfortunately and so really we have to you know simplify our schedule enough that can we feed ourselves in a healthy way can we can we have the discipline to put aside our phones and just read a encouraging book or just spend time worshiping or praying or reading our Bibles can we do the things on the daily that give us peace and I think often when we've been in in trauma or we've been through a hard time, it's almost like that's what's comfortable to us, that trauma. And so if we aren't experiencing it, we'll make it up for ourselves by eating badly or staying up too late or, or binging something that doesn't fill our soul. But I think that we can push through that to more joy and more hope and more peace in our homes and even in our bodies.
1: Yeah, 100%. I agree. And simplicity, like anything that is good and is beautiful, it, it does take effort. And especially if you're talking about this kind of deep work of simplicity um, in your heart and your mind, it's, it's not an overnight. It's not an easy fix, but I, I do believe for the, the process of restoration, we have to be willing to dig deep and keep pushing.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, for moms who are listening and they're feeling bad, like, oh my gosh, I just yelled at my kids yesterday because I came home and I was angry and, um, or they're feeling bad that they haven't been looking their children in the eyes enough or connecting or, or that one of their kids did get lost or wasn't, wasn't, um, had peed their pants on their way to the bathroom, whatever it was. You know, if you're feeling that way right now, if you're feeling condemned, Jesus doesn't condemn us. It says now there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set us free from the law of sin and death. So uh, we regularly pray the Lord's prayer um, or even just pray a simple prayer. Thanks, God, for forgiving me. And because of your forgiveness, I choose to forgive myself. I forgive myself for the way that I didn't react the way I wanted to or the harm I brought. And even with your children to say, you know, I, gosh, I yelled at you and that makes me feel so sad and so disappointed. I would never want to bring that pain of feeling alone and rejected and like you were a mess up to you. And will you forgive me? And there's, there's simple ways to rebuild that connection through just taking time to grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn, taking time to express our remorse for the way that we did blow it because and receive the grace from God. God loves us. And we're not going to be able to love our children well, if we won't even let God love us. So just receiving that grace and forgiveness on the daily, because on the daily, we'll probably mess up.